Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Executive Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, Days is doing a fun little story, a take on misery, if you will, with Abe, Paulina, and Nurse Whitley, played by sitcom alum Kim Coles. And I had the chance to speak to Kim about her new soap role. So she admitted to me that she was nervous about entering the daytime arena because she had heard, you know, how challenging the pace is. But since most of her work in the past has had a more comedic element to it, she thought the idea of doing something more dramatic would be fun. Now, Kim was a Days fan growing up, so she says seeing Deidre Hall in the makeup room was a complete pinch me moment, but she was more taken aback by the fact that Deidre actually introduced herself as though Kim didn't know who she was, which I just think is so sweet and says so much about Deidre. But Kim also knew her two co-stars, James Reynolds and Jack A. Harry, before she came to the set. And in fact, she and Jack A. had been in development to do their own show together. So for many reasons, Kim is excited to be there, and I am completely on board to see where the story is going. But for the full interview with her, check out our new issue. Well, I have to say, I was so tickled by the twist that Nurse Whitley is a soap fan and is keeping Abe entertained with her old VHS tapes of her stories. You know, as someone who once upon a time spent every penny of my allowance that wasn't already going to Soap Opera Digest on blank videotapes so I could record my soaps while I was at school and have to this day held on to some particularly cherished episodes, I found this very relatable. Uh, I think it's so clever to have, you know, Deidre Hall and Mary Beth Evans playing characters on Whitley's soap of choice, body and soul. And Kim Coles is just brilliant casting to boot. Uh, Such a great addition. Another interview that I want to mention that appears in the new issue is the first interview with Kate Mancy since she assumed the role of Christina on GH. When I spoke to Kate, she had nothing but great things to say about the experience she has had thus far on GH, but really wanted to stress that as someone who came on today's as a recast, she succeeded Ashley Benson as Abigail, Uh, and then subsequently had her role recast with Marcy Miller, she is very sensitive to the fact that she is taking over this character from another actress who's really beloved by fans, Lexi Ainsworth. She told me that she and Lexi are friends and she reached out to Lexi and they had a really nice conversation and that it was important to Kate that she make sure that Lexi knew how much uh, respect Kate has for her, how much love the fans have for her, and, uh, you know, just generally how much Kate really wants to honor the character that Lexi created with her own portrayal. And in other GH casting news, we were just talking last week when we had Jill Larson, formerly Opal on All My Children, on the podcast about how much we missed Pine Valley. And lo and behold, we were able to break the news this week that AMC alum Walt Willie 
is coming to Port Charles next month for a short stint, and he will actually be playing Jackson Montgomery, his AMC alter ego from 1987 to 2011. How exciting is that? I could not be more excited to see him. I mean, I know this might be an unpopular opinion because GH does have a big cast, but I would love to see more Pine Valleyites come to Port Charles, you know, like just for a little visit. It's just a wish list thing for me since GH is like the lone ABC soap standing, and I just really want to see some familiar faces. So hopefully there'll be more in the future. But I do want to say how much I love when recasts reach out to the person who played the role before. I remember Cynthia Watros and Michelle Stafford got together after Cynthia took over as GH's Nina. I just think it's a very cool thing to do and really drives the point home that daytime is a small community of actors who, for the most part, actually like each other and get along very well. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, while we're talking about alums, uh, another thing on my wish list, you know, I'd love to see more actors from the Procter & Gamble shows, i.e. Another World, As World Turns, and Guiding Light, you know, visit a soap town or two. There's just so much talent out there and so few slots, unfortunately, but I do love a familiar face or two popping up again. Absolutely. Like there's that all that East Coast star power just there for the taking. And, you know, it used to flow both ways. Like I remember there was like a stretch of time on As the World Turns where a bunch of General Hospital faves did stints. Stuart Damon, Lynn Herring, Billy Warlock, Wally Kurth. And then like YNR's Christian LeBlanc crossed over as Michael to World Turns too. And then uh, on top of that, the show hired John Lindstrom, GH's Kevin, to play Craig Montgomery and Julie Pinson, who was our guest today, uh, who at that point had been on two West Coast soaps, Port Charles and Days, to play Janet, you know, for longer runs. But with all the shows concentrated in California now, I, I will always think it's something to celebrate when we get these little gifts from the New York shows, like seeing Walt on GH or like when Robert Newman was on YNR, et cetera. Yes. I mean, it really is a treat for longtime viewers, including us. And again, here's to more. And as you mentioned, our guest today is Julie Pinson. So let's get her on the line and find out what she's been up to. Hi, Julie. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Good. So happy to talk to you. It's been a while. Oh, it's so good to be uh, to be talking to you guys, too. I've missed you guys so much. And I'm you know, uh, I miss Soap Opera Digest. And so now here I am. I'm on Soap Opera Digest again. Who knew it would come around again? We did. <laughs> yeah, right. Couldn't be happier about it. Um, <laughs> so we are going to go back to your childhood. You hail from Fremont, California, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area. Give us a snapshot of your childhood there and about the family you were raised in. Uh, well, uh, it, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area is a really great place to grow up. I'm really glad that, um, that you know, my parents chose to live there. Uh, I was exposed to all kinds of things. My mother was an opera singer when I was growing up. And so she would always take us to her shows and the theater. And uh, San Francisco was about 40 minutes away by car, the, the actual city of San Francisco. So we were always going into the city and um, it's just, a you know, it's maybe kind of like growing up in New York a little bit where you're exposed to a lot of things and cultures and people and ways of life. And so I'm really glad that my parents brought me up, uh, <clears throat> you know, in, in that area. So, um, and, and it was great. So I love that mom was an opera singer. So were, were the arts something that were emphasized in your home growing up? Always, 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 always. Uh, My mother was a graduate of the Juilliard School in New York. 
So I have a bit of a pedigree with that. And, uh, but my mom went to Juilliard for, for, for uh, song, for music, for piano and for opera singing. So growing up, there was always uh, Broadway tunes on the, on the record player, the hi-fi, whatever it was called back then. Jesus <laughs> uh, Christ Superstar, I remember, and all the, you know, all the big musicals and Godspell and all that kind of stuff. So I always grew up um, singing, although I cannot sing. <laughs> I, I did my best in my living room, dancing around and singing to all the Broadway musicals. Very nice. Uh, were you bummed that you couldn't sing? Yeah, actually, I am bummed that I couldn't sing. Uh, my mom always told me I could. I mean, she said, you can sing. It's in you. You just have to go take lessons and try and uh, and learn. But uh, uh, growing up with my mother and her operatic soprano voice, I never wanted to compete with my mom because nobody could sing like her. So why would I even try? So um, <laughs> and I, I couldn't really carry a tune very well. So um no, I never, uh, never, never really tried, but I'm, I'm bummed because I would have liked to have done musicals. I would have liked to have gone to Broadway. When I was a kid, my first thought was to move to New York City after I graduated from high school and do Broadway musicals. But after I found out I couldn't really sing and, and stage fright too, you know, having a little bit of stage fright and not really being confident in your singing voice, forget about it. <laughs> So how did you like first realize that you had an inner actress? I uh, always uh, with my mom growing up and watching her up on stage. Uh, so when I was in school, like elementary school and the high school, I always tried out for all the plays and I did the, you know, I did the elementary school plays and the high school stuff. And I actually in high school, it's funny, speaking of not being able to sing when I was in high school, uh, we did the Wizard of Oz. And I got the role of Dorothy because it was a non-musical play. <laughs> so, so I, I could, I was in the Wizard of Oz as Dorothy, but uh, they didn't ask me to sing. So that was good. <laughs> well, um, so then how did you go about breaking into the business? What was, you know, your approach and how did you become a professional actress? Uh, when I moved to Los Angeles at 21, because I knew I wanted to be an actor, I, I, I put New York on the back burner because I knew I, I couldn't sing. So I thought, well, maybe I'll do TV and film. So I moved to Los Angeles with my best friend, Sherry, and we got a little, you know, a little tiny apartment and I started doing extra work. So I went to a, a place called Central Casting, which was big back then for extras. And that's how I started. And by doing extra work, I then kind of, uh, I guess you could say I got a promotion to stand-in. And a stand-in is a person that stands um, in a spot while the cameras and the lighting crew are, uh, you know, lighting the actor. They're, they're uh, lining up the shots that they're gonna do. And instead of having Jennifer Lopez stand there for a half an hour while the crew is getting everything put into position, they have someone like me who looks similar, not that I look like Jennifer Lopez, but someone who looks similar stand there for a half an hour or whatever. So now instead of being an extra, I became part of the actual crew. So I was there every day for three months while we were filming whatever movie, whatever TV show, whatever it was, I was there as a part of the crew, which means then I get to know the producers, the directors and the actors better. And one of the producers took me kind of under his wing and, you know, said, 
obviously I, I'm pretty sure you don't want to do this for the rest of your life. So do you want to be an actress? And I said, I absolutely do. And he said, okay, I will introduce you to a friend of mine who's an agent at Abrams artists. And I was thrilled. And so I walked into Abrams artists and I met Martin Lisak, who was the head of Abrams back then. And Martin took one look at me and he said, I need to introduce you to Michael Bruno. He's in charge of our soap department because you would be perfect for soaps. And that's how I met Michael Bruno, who a lot of you out there in Soapland know uh, is manager to the soap stars. So I got really lucky by meeting Michael Bruno and he's the one that put me on the path and started me auditioning for everything. And uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of how that went. That is a pretty unique entree into the biz, I would say. Can I started from the bottom and worked my way to the top. <laughs> what were some of the projects that you worked on as an extra and or stand-in? Oh, uh, well, let's see. There was uh, a movie called The Distinguished Gentleman with Eddie Murphy. So I was a stand-in on that one. I was a stand-in on, uh, what was it? Oh, one of the best experiences was... Um, a movie called Unstrung Heroes. It was directed by Diane Keaton. So getting to work with Diane Keaton every day was amazing. I would walk in and on a movie set, most of the crew people are always wearing just like cargo shorts and a t-shirt and they're just very casual or whatever and just there to do their job. Diane Keaton would show up every day on set as the director of this movie full glam almost like she would you know the white crisp shirt with the collar straight up with uh you know pearls around her neck and one arm would have 10 watches up and down her arm the other arm would have all these pearl necklaces up and down her arm and she'd wear the hats with the glasses and I mean her style to show up every day looking so amazing was was incredible. And not only that, she was so intelligent and so nice from the, the lesser people on the movie set to the, the stars of the movie set. She was an, a, an incredible woman. And I'm, I've always been so impressed by her. She was always so nice and so nice to me, so gracious. So that was a great experience working with her. I love that. Um, now, was doing that kind of work enough to sustain you, pay your bills, or did you have to get other day jobs? No, I never really, um, I, I was lucky. Uh, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I think I got a job in a boutique on Rodeo Drive. So I started off, you know, in one of those shishi boutiques as a sales girl. And then uh, once I started doing extra work, uh, that catapulted me into the stand-in work and stand-in work was really good money. And like I said, I was, I had that job for at least three months at a time. So you'd go from one movie to the next movie to the next movie. And that was enough to pay my bills. Um, and then if I, you know, in between things, if I needed to, I would do temp work in an office. I would answer phones at a law office in Century City or something like that. So, Well, you first came to the attention of the daytime world in 1997 when you were part of the original cast of Port Charles playing the role of Dr. Eve Lambert. So had you ever been a, a soap watcher or auditioned for soaps prior to Port Charles? Uh, I think I auditioned probably for, yeah, actually I did. You know what? I remember I auditioned for Days of Our Lives before I ever got Port Charles. And I went to the producers at Days of Our Lives to play the role of Billy Reed. 
And so I was tested at NBC for that. And uh, Krista Allen ended up getting that part at that time. And so the next audition was pretty much, I think it was uh, Port Charles. And uh, it was, that was a great experience. It was, because uh, it, it was a brand new soap opera. And so they were, uh, they were auditioning for all the different parts. And in my test at ABC, they had me test for all three girls. They had me test for Karen, Julie, and Eve. And uh, of course, Eve was my favorite and that's the one I prepared the most for. So I'm really happy that that's the character I ended up with because I always thought it's more fun to play the bad girl. You know, it's always so much more fun to play the bad girl. And then, you know, they hooked me up with Ken Schreiner, Scotty Baldwin. So off, I was off and running right away. And you know, it was such a great experience for me. Mm -hmm. Well, what are your standout memories of your early days on Port Charles? I mean, here you are, this is like your first big thing. And also it's a new show. I mean, there's so many things at play. Oh, I remember a few things. The first one is uh, when we had the uh, premiere party for Port Charles, we had it at, I think it was Planet Hollywood in Los Angeles. And uh, so all of us newbies show up and we're all dressed up and the paparazzi's going crazy. That was my first experience with paparazzi. Uh, it was shocking and uh, unsettling and I couldn't see anything for about five minutes after all the flashbulbs went off, but it was a great party and getting to know everybody. Uh, but after the party, when it was time to go home, everybody was lined up outside Planet Hollywood waiting for their car to come from the valet, and I had a total beater Datsun hatchback piece of crap car. <laughs> and they, the valet parkers pull up to the valet and I'm standing there in front of the producers, the directors, the stars, everybody. And so I go to get in my car and I'm first of all embarrassed because I have this car, but second of all, I go to start the car and it won't start. So I'm in front of everybody at the valet with a car that just petered out and I couldn't go anywhere and they had to kind of move the car <laughs> out of the way so everybody else could get their cars. And um, finally my car started about like 15 minutes later and I took off, but that was so embarrassing. Um, but, uh, and then uh, some other things that I remember about my first little bit on Port Charles is just the cast and the people I worked with and Nolan North and uh, Lisa Ann Hadley and Ken Schreiner and Lynn Herring and uh, you know, all these people was, uh, was amazing. And we just, and Michael Dietz, we had such a good time. Our dressing rooms were all next to each other. And so it was basically like a college frat party most of the time with all of us young newbies, because we were so excited to have these jobs and we were, kind of on our way, you know, it was like, oh my God, this is it. And we were, you know, in People Magazine, we were on the sides of buses, big billboards on the side of a bus, you know, and I'm driving my crappy beater car through LA and all of a sudden I come to a stop sign, a bus pulls up next to me and there's the big billboard of, you know, of all of us kids, you know, it says, watch them operate, Port Charles, ABC. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> I knew... I knew I had made it. Oh, that's just so incredible. Love it. Um, all right. So over your time on the show, Eve caught the eye of several of the show's heavy hitting gentlemen. But let's start with your experience working with the shy and reserved Kim <laughs> Reiner. 
what's what stands out to you about that era? Luckiest, luckiest girl on the planet. Luckiest, luckiest girl on the planet. He took me under his wing. He taught me everything he knew. He was also an ad libber. So a lot of times he wouldn't say the lines that were written on the page. So he taught me to really listen to what was coming out of his mouth so that I could reply uh, in kind to what he was saying. And so that kind of taught me not to just memorize my lines, but also kind of, um, you know, have a little bit, a tiny bit of improv in, in, in myself as well, because you never knew what exactly Kim was gonna say when, when the cameras were rolling. So you really had to pay attention. Um, and he and I became really good friends as well. Uh, like I said, he took me under his wing. We had the same manager, Michael Bruno. And so we would go out to dinners together with Michael and uh, other people. So we became friends and it made me, he made me feel so much more comfortable working with him on a personal level uh, as well as a professional level. I just felt really comfortable. And he, I believe is one of the reasons why I kind of uh, excelled, I guess you could say, without sounding too grandiose, but I, I think he's the reason why he let me spread my wings and fly, and I learned a lot. And what about John Lindstrom's Kevin? <laughs> oh, oh, what can I say about John? Wow. I mean, just heart. John has my heart. You know, John and I were really, really, really close friends. We became super close when we started working together as husband and wife. And he is another one who was also so giving. And his emotions were so on the surface. You guys see him on TV. You watch him on General Hospital still. He's so available. And all you have to do is just look into his eyes and you see so much going on. And you just react to him and his face and... He's gorgeous, and um, uh, we we John and I also became really really close when we were working together, and we continued that friendship, you know, uh, for many 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 years to this day. Well, sort of continuing the theme uh, of like Eve and and Lynn Herring's Lucy having very similar taste in men. Uh, she was she was also involved with Torsten Kay's Ian. What stands out to you about working with Mister K? <laughs> Ugh, Torsten was a hottie. He's so hot. All I remember was when I saw Torsten come into the building his first day, I looked at probably one of the producers and I said, that's my love interest? He's he's here for me? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was just floored. And uh, in fact, on one of this old show that they used to have on ABC called Bloopers, you know, uh, bloopers, whatever. I, I don't remember exactly what the name of it was, but there's a scene in this bloopers at night on nighttime TV that is me coming down a staircase. I'm on, we're on set, we're filming, and I'm supposed to be coming down a staircase from the second floor. And Torsten is downstairs and he had just, he's taking off his shirt. So he takes off his shirt I come down the stairs, I see him with his shirt off, and I'm not kidding you, this was not supposed to happen. I fell down the stairs. I tripped and <laughs> fell down the stairs. I was so distracted. <laughs> that all I, all I saw was this gorgeous chest. <laughs> and I just, I, you know, yeah, I fell down the stairs and we had to cut and we had to do it again. And I was so embarrassed, but everybody was laughing. 
So that was kind of an icebreaker between Torsten and I. And um, I had a great time with Torsten. I mean, he's just so gorgeous in that accent. And he was also an amazing actor. And I mean, how lucky am I? Now, first of all, were you even a soap viewer before you joined soaps? Did you know about soaps? I do, of course I knew about soaps, but no, I was never really a soap viewer. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I grew up in a household where we weren't allowed to watch television except on the weekends. So I could only watch the Donnie and Marie show and the Partridge family. And I could watch the wonderful world of Disney because those were on from Friday to Sunday. Uh, so when I got home from school, you know, I could only do my homework. We weren't, the TV was never on when I was, when I got home from school in my family. However, I would go next door to my next door neighbor, my girlfriend, my little girlfriend's house and her mom always had on all my children. So I kind of got familiar with all my children with the Tad and Dixie storyline and Laura and Greg and Jenny and uh, of course, Susan Lucci. And so I, I do remember some of the all my children storylines from when I was, you know, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but no, I never really watched soaps growing up. So did you recognize Debbie Morgan as Angie when she oh, was on yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes, because also, yes, Jesse and Angie. Yeah. So, yes. So you met a one Mr. Billy Warlock, your husband, uh, while working on Port Charles. He was next door playing A.J. Quartermain on General Hospital. So do you remember the first time you met him? Uh, The first time I met Billy Warlock was on the set of Baywatch. Oh. I was an extra. This was back in the day, like the early 90s, when I was an extra on Baywatch. I showed up in the morning on set in Malibu. And I had to get my bikini approved by the wardrobe person. So I was walking around in the morning looking for the wardrobe trailer and I couldn't find where it was. All of a sudden, Billy Warlock walks up to me and says, hi, do you need help finding something? And I turn around, I look and I'm like, oh my God, that's Billy Warlock. He's the star of this show. And he's talking to me. And I knew at the time that he was dating or engaged to Erica Eleniak, who was the gorgeous blonde Playboy model on Baywatch. So basically my point is I knew he wasn't picking up on me. Like he was just being a nice guy. And I said, yes, thank you. yeah, please. I'm looking for the wardrobe trailer. And he goes, well, follow me. I'll show you where it is. And he did. He showed me where the wardrobe trailer was. He said, okay, have a good day. We'll see you out there. And he walked away. And I'll never forget how nice this big star was to this little tiny extra who basically mostly most of the time I don't know how what what it's like nowadays but back then when you're an extra on a movie set or a tv show you're pretty much ignored you know just stay in the background and you know walk across the camera a couple times then go home nobody talks to you he was just amazing so that was the first time I met my husband of course he doesn't remember me but I remember that And who would have thunk that I met my husband that day? That's crazy. So moving on to the first time I met him at ABC, again, we had the same manager, Michael Bruno. And so I met Billy with Ken Schreiner and with Michael Bruno and a few other people that Michael represented in daytime. And one of the, I think it was Soap Opera Digest was doing a story on Michael Bruno. So he had all of his, his, uh, uh, you know, celebrity uh, soap opera actors that he was representing come to his house for a photo shoot. And so that's the first time I actually met Billy. And, you know, 
and, and he met me for the first time <laughs> that he remembers. So that's how we met. Love that. Uh, well, we'll get more into that as we go on. But as the show went on and introduced some supernatural elements, you worked opposite Michael Easton as Caleb the Vampire. So what stands out to you about that era? Uh, well, Michael Easton, again, uh, was a, a really cool guy. I mean, this this guy had finesse. He was kind of hip, you know, just everything he did. And he, he had that voice that was really kind of low and he kind of whispered. And so he drew you in to his voice. And when he was speaking, you just were looking at him and he had this long hair and just, you know, totally gorgeous guy. And um, very sensitive, actually. I still have a book that he gave me uh, that is called, hold on, I'm going to take you guys over to my bookshelf so that I can remember the name of it, but he gave me a book. I think it was for my birthday one year and it's called Savage Beauty. And he wrote in the cover, in the inside cover, uh, Julie, my favorite poet. Thank you for everything. Happy birthday, Michael. I mean, so, and you know, I know you guys can't see at home, but I'm trying to show this book that Michael, Michael Easton gave me for my birthday, which is, you know, so sweet and so nice. And he, he's just, you know, Michael's a very sensitive soul. Agreed. Agreed. He remains so. He's not become a jerk since you last worked with him. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, very upsettingly for me, at least, you left Port Charles in 2002 and Eve was 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 killed off in a move that I think it's fair to say was, you know, extremely shocking and upsetting to fans of the show. How did you feel about your time on Port Charles coming to an end? Well, first of all, let me say I didn't leave Port Charles. <laughs> Port Charles <laughs> left me. <laughs> I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken, you know. Eve was such a great character. And I realized that soaps like to shake things up and they like to do things that the audience isn't going to expect. And I don't think anyone, especially the fans, saw it coming that they were going to kill off Eve. I had had such a great run on that show and um, I was, you know, a pretty popular character. So when uh, when they told me that they were I was going to be uh, one of the victims of uh, was it Caleb? I don't even remember who killed me. I don't know or how I died. I don't remember. But it was really sad. And I would have stayed there forever if they had had me. OK, well, you were not off daytime for too long. Soap Watcher saw you next at the start of 2004 when you had a brief run as record producer Shiloh on Young and the Restless, primarily working opposite Thad Luckaville as JT. So what do you recall about your Y&R experience? Y&R was really short. Uh, I don't remember much about it at all, to be quite frank. Uh, it was I think I was only there for a few months. Um, but I remember... You know, it's funny. I don't really remember much about sometimes my working experience more than I remember the people I worked with. And so like Thad Luckenbill was awesome to work with. Melody Thomas Scott was fantastic. She was so nice to me. And that's, you know, and I remember those kind of things as far as, and, and Ed, I don't remember what Ed, Ed's, Melody's husband, Ed was the producer at that time. And he was also just super, super sweet and kind of let me do my thing. Um, but yeah, and I worked and working at CBS, you know, uh, walking down those halls was interesting. CBS though, they the dressing rooms are really spread out. So I never really was too social with anyone there because, uh, 
you never really saw anybody unless you were in the makeup chair or on set. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really hang out with anybody as far as like, you know, any lasting friendships, but, uh, but it was a good job and, you know, I was happy to have it. Well, it was just a few short months later that days came back into your life and uh, tapped you to be a recast for the role of Billy, which clearly was not the first time they'd had you in mind for that role. Uh, at that point, both Lisa Renna and Krista Allen had done their takes on Billy. But so tell us how that all came about, you joining Days. Uh, you know, Days of Our Lives came around at such a good time in my life. Um, I, yeah, I was off daytime for a little bit and, uh, I really, I mean, I think I auditioned for, I think I tested for Guiding Light also in between Port Charles and uh, Days of Our Lives. But, and so they flew me out to New York and I tested for that. I didn't get it. Um, and then Days of Our Lives came calling and that was a lifesaver. It just, I, I was back on a set. I was back with people. Um, that was one of the, you know, Billy and I were actually just talking about kind of our, we went down memory lane a couple nights ago uh, sitting outside on our patio with a couple of cocktails. So of course we're talking about our, you know, hell, heaven, and the devil. Days of Our Lives was one of my favorite experiences. I loved Port Charles because that was my first. Pop my, you know what? <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, um, but Days of Our Lives uh, was all around the best experience no offense to any of the other shows. It was the best working environment as far as the crew, uh, as far as the people I worked with, Peter Reckle, Christian Alfonso, who is another one. Christian took me under her wing. And I was, you know, I was intimidated by, by Christian because she was on the show for so long and she was the most popular character. I think besides Laura, Luke and Laura, it was Bo and Hope were the, also the other most popular characters. So I was a little intimidated meeting Christian Alfonso and she was so down to earth and just so flippin' cool. We'd hang out together. We were social together. And, um, you know, I just, and, and, and she would give me little hints as well. She taught me a lot too. I'll, I'll never forget one scene between, it was between Bo and Hope and then me and my daughter, um, who was played by Rachel Melvin. Uh, it was a pitiful, pivotal scene between me and my daughter and Bo and Hope were standing next to us. And it, anyway, Christian took me aside before we started shooting the scene. And she said, Julie, just remember, this is your scene. This is all about you. And it clicked in my head and I kind of got permission to shine. She gave me permission to shine above her and all the other people in the scene. And I, I'll never forget that. And I took that into my future working on soaps. You know, um, she, she gave me permission to own it. Mm -hmm. I love absolutely that. love that. Yes, indeed. Now, because two other actresses had played the role, you know, what was it like for you to come in as a recast and find your Billy? Uh, gosh, I never, I, I never thought about the other two gals that played the role. Uh, I just... I knew that I looked a lot like Lisa Rinna because we got compared all the time. So I knew that the fans would probably not have a problem accepting me because we look just exactly alike almost. And in fact, Harry Hamlin saw Lisa and I standing next to each other at one of the soap opera digest parties. And he looked from her to me, from her to <laughs> me and said, which one's my wife. <laughs> so it was, that was cute. That was cute. Um, so I, so I went into that one, um, 
I, I was able to just make her mine. I, 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 you know, there was, there was no real thought process behind it. I just walked in and I did my job and I said the lines they gave me to say, and the writers were so good. It just, it just worked. I got lucky and people accepted me. Love it. Well, your mother on the show, uh, Kate, was played by the lovely Lauren Coslow. What comes to mind when you think about Lauren? David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> Lauren Coslow. First of all, not even near old enough to be my mother, which is ridiculous. I mean, look at the, she's still, I don't know. She's found the fountain of youth. She really has. I love Lauren. Oh God. I mean, every day her nails would be a different color or her <laughs> hair would have a streak in it. And uh, just also another really, you know, let me just say this while we're talking. I keep talking about these people that I worked with that I knew. I don't think people realize how nice and down to earth these actors are. You know, movie actors, sometimes, you know, main TV sitcom actors, they might get a, a bad reputation or they might, you might hear that they're not very nice or, you know, something happens, but soap opera actors, I'm telling you, you guys, they're, they're the salt of the earth. I, they're, they're wonderful. They're, they're wonderful people. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Um, now at days, you know, you did get to play a lot of emotional stuff when they, you know, with the dynamic with uh, Chelsea and Billy, as well as how that played into Bo and Hope's relationship. So, you know, what was that like to play a parent and of, you know, grown daughter? And, you know, what do you remember about sort of those dynamics that you got to play? Uh uh, the, it, being a parent on TV is great because I, I never was one in real life, but having the TV daughters that I had made me think that I would have been a really good mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I loved working with those young girls and I kind of like to think that maybe I kind of took them under my wing, like Christian Alfonso, like Kim Schreiner took me under theirs and, you know, uh, things like that. I loved the drama. I don't know. It was just kind of, it kind of felt like it came naturally to me. Hence, I probably would have been a really good mom. Absolutely you would. And now the Yorkies get all the benefit of that amazing maternal energy of yours. Absolutely. I am for sure a dog mom, a cat mom, but I'm an animal mom. I, any animal throw them at me and I will take the best care of them possible. But, you know, growing up, I hope I can get onto a little different tangent here, but just so people know out there growing up, um, you know, I, I never had that overwhelming desire to be a mother. That's just who I was. So uh, I, I didn't have kids. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a professional. Um, and, and plus I didn't meet, you know, I didn't marry Billy until I was in my late thirties. So at that time, I think that ship had sailed and I do not regret it because I believe that if you're going to have children, you should really want to have children. And that was just not the path that I was on. So I'm, a, uh, so I got that out in my acting career. I got to be a mom to these two great girls, you know, on, you know, on As the World Turns and on Days of Our Lives. And that was, that was good enough for me. I love that. All right. So going back to Billy for a moment, uh, you were on Days for about a year when he returned to the show as Frankie Brady. 
And you and Billy had been engaged before and broken up. And so had you been like in touch in those intervening years or was it at all awkward that you now shared a workplace? It was awkward at first. Uh, when Billy came on the show, it, well, yeah, we hadn't talked. We, we, we were engaged in 2000, we broke up and then we didn't see each other for about five years. And we didn't talk in between, we really didn't. Um, so when he came back to the show, it was kind of just natural that we gravitated towards each other again. Um, he was familiar, he was a safe space. Um, I had gotten my yahoos on or off, or I had, I had had that five years to go out and do my thing and have fun and date and get it all out of my system. So that by the time Billy came to days of our lives, uh, I realized that he is my guy, you know, and I, it took some convincing. He didn't want to have anything to do with me and I pursued him when he came back to days of our lives. And so that's how we got back together. He, you know, yeah. Wow. Well, in 2006, you and Billy got married in Las Vegas. Um, how did you know that it was the right time, you know, this time around? Um, and tell us about the wedding. I didn't know it was the right time. Honestly, I, I uh, <laughs> basically the second time Billy asked me to marry him, I kind of just went on a whim and I said, okay, if it doesn't work out, we can always get divorced. I'm being honest. I mean, you know, these, some people talk about what they want you to hear, you know, what the, the romantic story, the hearts and the flowers. Um, you know, I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I just took a leap of faith because I knew that Billy was my best friend. And I wanted somebody to be there with me in times of trouble, in times of good things. And uh, he was he was the guy, I, I don't know. I just knew that he was who I wanted to be with. But as far as marriage goes, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, well, okay, let's get married and see what happens. And we got married in Las Vegas about like two weeks later, I think. Um, and you know, they said it wouldn't last. And here we are almost 17 years later and we've had our ups and downs and we've gone through a lot, lots of jobs, lots of moving across the country. And we are just, we're it, man. This is, this is it. This is forever. We love each other. We like each other. We get each other. And we work on the marriage. Uh, it's not easy. And that's why I know I'm kind of getting off into a tangent. And you guys can cut this if you want to. But one of Billy and my guilty pleasures is a show on Lifetime called Married at First Sight. And these couples want to be married so bad. And they go into this experiment. And nobody has any idea how hard marriage really is. Nor did I. I thought when Billy and I got married, it was going to be, you know, everything was going to be great. And, you know, there are bumps along the way. It's not all romance and hearts and flowers. And, you know, you've got to work together as a couple and as friends. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's just so funny. We, we watch Married at First Sight and we're like, why do these people think it's going to be easy? Why do people think it's going to be easy? Right. Now, am I remembering that you wore your dress from the first wedding to your wedding? Second one, to your actual wedding. I did. <laughs> well, 
it was a Vera Wang wedding dress. <laughs> of course. Well, come on now. So in all honesty, I did try and sell it on eBay. In the five years that Billy and I were apart, I did try and sell it on eBay and I had no takers. And so it was just sitting in my closet five years later. So when Billy and I got married at this little tiny chapel in Las Vegas, I had this huge, gorgeous Vera Wang dress on. <laughs> It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. Why did you decide to do Vegas? Well, when Billy and I were going to be married the first time around in 2000, it was going to be a big wedding. It was going to be, you know, the huge cake at Sherwood Country Club. Um, you know, 150, 200 people. And I figured, we figured that this time around, um, let's just go to Vegas. We'll have a very, very small gathering. I think there were only 20, 25, maybe, yeah, 25 people there. It was literally our best friends and our parents. And uh, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I truly believe for all of you out there who are thinking about getting married, uh, save your money and just have a small wedding. Do it at home. Do it in your backyard. Go to Vegas. Um, I just think it's a lot more intimate. I think we had a lot more fun than we would have if we had had 200 people at our wedding because you don't see everybody. Uh, so, um, so Las Vegas, we got married at the Paris Hotel and my best friend Sherry uh, called them and made all the arrangements for everything. Sherry got the cake, she got the flowers, she, you know, she did everything with the wedding planner at the Paris Hotel and two weeks later we were in Vegas getting married and it was great. Awesome. I absolutely love it. I love it. Uh, well, your time in Salem came to an end early in 2008. Uh, so how did you feel about leaving days? And when you look back, you know, what do you think about, like what stands out to you when you look back on your days experience? Uh, well, you know, I was, I was sad to leave days as well because that was such a great experience for me, but the character, I think at that time, had run its course. They weren't sure what to do with with Billy now that Bo and Hope were, you know, happy happily ever after. And um, so they just, you know, so I I left Days, and then uh, let's see, I left Days, and then a few months later, I get a call from Chris Goutman at As the World Turns in New York, and that was. Uh, that was pretty cool because I thought, wow, wow. What if I get this job? I get to go live in New York. I get to live my dream. And um, uh, so I went to, did I test? No, I didn't test for, for as the world turns. I think that Billy and I went to New York city uh, to meet one of his, one of Billy's friends. And so we were hanging out with him in New York and Michael Bruno called Chris Goutman and said, Julie's in New York. So if you want to meet her, let's set up a lunch or something. And so that's all that happened. I met Chris Goutman outside of the train station, Grand Central in New York City for lunch. We talked. He told me what he thought about the character, what he wanted out of the character. And he also said that he was trepidatious about hiring me because he thought that Terry Kahn and I were very similar. So he thought that we were going to be just too much alike and uh, <laughs> which is really you know, not really, <laughs> I love, you know, it was just kind of funny. Um, I think her, what was her name? Terry Colombino at that time. Yes. Terry yeah. Terry Colombino or Terry Khan. She's on QVC now. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> yes, I watch her. Hi, Terry. So hi, Austin. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so he, he ended up hiring me for that. And that was the beginning of 
the best acting I've ever done. Yeah, you 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 were, as the kids say, a sleigh on As the World Turns. So one thing that I think is funny is that when you were introduced as uh, Janet, this woman who shared a past and a secret child with Brad Snyder, that Brad Snyder was played by Austin Peck, who had been your brother on Days. It's so incestuous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the soap opera hamster wheel. You know, yeah. you just, one gets off and the other one gets on. Um, yeah, that was great because I already knew Austin. So he made me feel super comfortable coming in. I knew Marie Wilson from Port Charles. She was on As the World Turns at that time. So, um, and that was great. And again, I got so lucky because they put me with Michael Park and Maura West. I mean, come on, you know, that's if that's not working with the Jessica Chastain and the, I don't know, you know, the the George Clooney of our time, you know, they're they're just so good at what they do consistently. And I think Moore and Michael were always getting nominated for Emmys every year, every year, every year, every year. So I was in really good company. And uh, that was a really nice, it was a great storyline. And I got to go through things on camera that, I've never gone through in real life, but I got to imagine what's it, what would it be like to get divorced from Billy? So I would put that in my scenes with Michael when Michael Park and I were, you know, going through hard times in our marriage. So uh, I used stuff that I've never used before that I, you know, imagination that I never had to use. And I put that into Janet in order for these scenes to come alive. And for some reason with Michael, it was easy because he just, you know, it was like playing tennis, you know, one lobs, or I don't know, what is, what is this? Back? I don't even know how to say it, but, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He was giving me pearls and I was taking them and I hopefully I lobbed them right back to him. Oh, you did. Um, now, was this the first time you lived in New York? And tell us about your New York experience. If I could live in New York now, I would, if I could afford it. <laughs> I love New York. I ate it up. I loved the subway. I loved walking the city. I loved Central Park. Um, I loved everything about it. And what I loved the most is that as a person, I really liked being, I, I really like being by myself. I'm a Scorpio. I'm very independent. I like being by myself. And in New York, you can be by yourself walking down the street, but you're not alone. You're never alone. And I don't know if that makes sense to anybody out there in podcast land, but it was one of my favorite experiences about being in New York City. Uh, I loved when my family would come to visit or people who have never been to New York before. I loved doing all the touristy things because it was so easy to get around the city. It was easy to hop on the subway and go to Coney Island for the day, uh, you know, go to the Statue of Liberty or, you know, upside or upstate or um you know the upper west side and going to all the places and i loved that the restaurants that we went to were so close we would walk out our brownstone door and to the left was our favorite restaurant to the right was our grocery store on the corner or our bodega um central park was a block away so i would go in there with my dogs every morning we'd walk around the reservoir the jackie o reservoir i miss it and I think what a lot of people don't understand about New York City is most people think, oh, my God, it's so crowded. How could you live there? There's people, people, people. But in your neighborhoods, the places where you live, Upper West Side, Upper East Side, you know, it's 
quiet. And you know your neighbors on that street. You know all your neighbors because you walk outside your door and you see everybody every day and it's their neighborhoods. It's not like you're living in Times Square. Mm -hmm. Very true. Uh, you've gotten me nostalgic for a city I currently live in, Julie. <laughs> uh, I miss it. <laughs> okay, so uh, another uh, key romantic entanglement for Janet, uh, who she actually ultimately got her happily ever after with, if memory serves, Dusty Donovan, played by Grayson McCooch. What stands out to you about working with Grayson? <laughs> Grayson? Uh gorgeous guy. Isn't that funny? It's the first thing out of my mouth. My mother always said I was boy crazy and she's true. <laughs> she's right. uh, gorgeous, gorgeous guy. Grayson was great. Unfortunately, I never got to work with Grace, Grayson for that long because I think Days of Our, I mean, uh, As the World Turns was, uh, went off the air pretty soon after, after Dusty and Janet got together. Um, but, but it was, uh, it was fun. It was, uh, it was, a uh, it was fun. You know, I, I never really got to know Grayson that, that well, cause we weren't working together for that long, but I liked him very much. Generally speaking, did you feel like a quantifiable or discernible difference between a New York soap and a California soap set? Well, I've only got one to compare and that's as the world turns and we shot in Brooklyn in, I think it was called Midwood, Brooklyn, and there was nothing around. So like, I'd go out to Brooklyn, it would take me about an hour on the subway to get to, to the studio in Brooklyn. And once you're there, even if you have only a couple of scenes, you're kind of stuck there for the day and there was nothing around. There were no restaurants, there was no shopping. So <laughs> that's, that's what I remember about Midwood, Brooklyn. Um, as opposed to like at when I was on Young and the Restless, that studio was right next door to a shopping mall called The Grove. So you, at lunch, you know, you were able to walk across to this place and you could go to the food court or you can go shopping or whatever. So, um, and then I liked being on set on Days of Our Lives because that was pretty close to where I lived and I could ride my Vespa to and from work every day. So that was awesome. Um, so I loved, loved, loved New York City, but Midwood, Brooklyn, not so much. Fair enough. You were bringing the family by to sightsee around Midwood, Brooklyn. Got it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, in 2010, for your fabulous work as Janet, you took home the Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actress. So we want to hear everything. You know, what stands out to you about when you think back on the night you became a Daytime Emmy winner? What was it like to hear your name called? <laughs> I was shocked, actually. I was really surprised. And it's it's fun because if you look at the video when they call my name, I mean, I'm really surprised. <laughs> I'm really surprised sitting there going, wait, what? Um, yeah, that was that was uh, that was amazing. Uh, well, first of all, because the year before I was actually nominated. So all three years I was on As the World Turns, I was nominated. And I truly believe that's because of Michael and Maura. Um, so um, it, it was you know, it was really, it was, it was a shock and a surprise, but wow, how great because of the work that I've done, the collective work over these last, you know, the last, I don't know, 10 years before As the World Turns came to a head. Um, and uh, it was great. And Kelly Monaco got, gave me my award, which is great because Kelly and I were really good friends and um, a lot of support from, from everybody in the building, I felt. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't happy with my speech uh, because it was such a shock. I got up there and I, and this it still bothers me to this day. So I'm glad we're doing this podcast. 
The first thing I said when I walked up on the stage was, this is a long time coming. Like, really? No, it's not. <laughs> you, haven't <been> doing this <laughs> you haven't been doing this that long. You're not Susan Lucci, so shut up, okay? <laughs> so I don't know why I said that, besides the fact that I was totally nervous. And I didn't even get, I couldn't even thank my dad, because you have this countdown clock directly in front of you while you're while you're on stage accepting your Emmy and you now you're supposed to make a speech, you've got this big, huge five, four, three, two. So you're scrambling, trying to figure out who to thank, who, who did I forget, what, what, what? And so um, I didn't really, you know, I, and of course I didn't have anything prepared, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, it was great. It was an amazing night. And Stephanie Sloan and I took pictures and she got to hold my Emmy and I, <laughs> I, I did I, indeed. I, yes, I did. <laughs> And um, I remember going into the restroom after I won. I walked into the bathroom because, you know, got to go. And there were a bunch of fans in line for the women's bathroom. And I just looked at one of them. I'm like, could you hold this for me, please? She was like, really? I was like, yeah, take pictures with it. Have fun. Pass it around. Let everybody see it. Hold it. That was pretty fun. That was really great. So I love that. Um, Now you were there for the end of World Turns, which went off the air in September 2010. So what was that like to go through the show's cancellation and to film the end of it? Uh, That was tough. That was really tough just because the show was ending. It had been on for so long and it seemed like it was the beginning of the end for so many shows. Guiding Light had gone off the air. Then As the World Turns, then all my children. I mean, it was kind of the death of, of so many of these shows that we've known and loved for so long, just to be replaced by, you know, reality daytime talk shows where it's a lot cheaper to produce. And so I was mad that they were getting rid of it just because of, you know, money reasons, but that's basically the root of everything is money. So, um, I, but I'm glad that I was there for the end. So I got to hang out with everybody. We had, you know, big parties towards the end uh, of As the World Turns, big cast parties and crew parties. Um, They sold a lot of the set props. So I have a few of the pictures that were hanging in. uh, I don't remember which family it was, but one of the rich, Richie families on As the World Turns, they had the gorgeous, you know, wood walls with the drink cart with all the beautiful glassware you know uh decanters on it so I took the decanters I took the drink cart (laughs) and I took about three of those like fake oil paintings off the walls um and uh so I got to buy a few pieces of the set so that's kind of cool that is cool (laughs) that's very cool but I bet they'd they'd uh move faster on ebay than your dress did (laughs) I know Actually, I bet your dress would move much faster today because right, I feel like right. you were selling it at a time when people weren't really doing that yet. And now with all the resale sites and stuff, it would go in three seconds. The real real. My yeah. God. I yeah. call the real real. I've sold I've sold some stuff on the real real since I've moved to Telluride and I don't need any of that fancy stuff anymore. The real real girls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So as as we learned from your husband when he was recently a guest on the podcast, uh, the two of you moved back to California post World Turns before ultimately making the move to Colorado. So uh, we heard his side of that story. But from your perspective, why was that the right move for you? Well, when Billy was on Days of Our Lives, he had a house um, in Telluride and he'd go back and forth on the weekends and he loved it and he loves to ski. And so 
when when we moved back to California from As the World Turns, we were only there for about a year. Um, it just did, didn't feel right for either one of us. You know, all of a sudden we were back to auditioning, uh, people not really knowing who we are, even though we had done daytime soap operas, Baywatch, whatever. Um, it was just a different world, the, the, the acting world. And I hate auditioning. I'm not good at it. And uh, so Billy and I just kind of at our age too, uh, you know, getting older, you know how this business works, the younger, the better. Hopefully that's changing for a lot of women now, um, especially with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the movies coming out now, like the book clubs and the 80 for Brady and things like that. I'm not saying I'm in that age range, but at least people are realizing that women want to go see these movies. They want to uh, see women their age, older women, that kind of thing. That's, that's changing. You know, this business has changed so much since I started in the nineties, whether it's body image issues, um, ageism issues, things like that. Uh, I think that all of that has gotten better from, you know, with time. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, there was, I don't know. It was just, it didn't, it, it didn't sit right with either one of us. And, and, Billy had taken me to Telluride and I fell in love with Telluride. It's the most beautiful place in the whole world. And so Billy said, well, what do you think about, you know, getting rid of the business, not doing it anymore and moving to Telluride? And I said, that sounds great. I would love it. So that's what we did. We just, we moved to Telluride and never looked back and we reinvented ourselves. I'm sure Billy probably said the same thing. He reinvented himself as a ski instructor and then a ski supervisor. I had a part-time job as well, working at a spa. Uh, it's a small town. So we got to know everybody very quickly. You don't have to drive anywhere because Telluride's such a, a small place. You just take a gondola to where you want to go. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, it's, it's a dream. It's a magical, magical place. There's too many people there now, but it's <laughs> because the secret is out, you know, it's become right. very touristy now. It's definitely become an Aspen. Whereas before Telluride was more kind of a hippie ski resort. Mm -hmm. um, now it's become a lot more Aspen. Uh, Telluride also uh, doesn't have any chain restaurants or anything. So the only, the only chain that they do have is a Starbucks. But other than that, you're not going to see a McDonald's. You're not going to see a Burger King or any kind of chain clothing stores or anything. It's it's very, very boutique. The restaurants are very high end. Um, but it just was a lot more casual, more hippie-ish back in the olden days. And that's probably why Billy fell in love with it. But now it's becoming more of a rich people kind of thing. I don't know. Not that that's uh, great. It's fine. I'm glad. But it's just crowded. Well, do you miss the business at all? I do. I do miss it. Absolutely. I miss working uh, as an actor. I miss being on a set with family. Uh, but, um, I, you know, like, listen, if somebody called me, like if Days of Our Lives called out of the blue and said, do you want to come do a couple months on, I would in a heartbeat say yes. But I'm just not going to audition. I'm done with that. I do not need to do that. I don't want the headache. I hate auditioning. Fair. Fair, fair. Okay, so obviously over the course of your time in daytime, you did uh, develop these really close bonds with a lot of the people that you worked with. Who were you still in touch with? Lindstrom, Schreiner. Uh, let's see, who else do I talk to? 
Um, well, you know, I'd love to talk to Nolan. So put that out there. Nolan, call me. I miss Nolan so much. Uh, let's see. Uh, who else? Lindstrom, Schreiner. Uh, I think that's about it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. You know? And both of your on-screen daughters have gotten married. Like, since... I know, I know. I just reconnected with Rachel Melvin on Facebook. She put something up and I went, what? And so I said, congratulations, my little girl. And, and she got back to me and was so excited that I reached out. So uh, congratulations to Rachel. And then, you know, my other daughter, What's her name? She's not doing well right now. She's gone down the wayside. I don't right. know what if, if, if only she had anything to talk about. Exactly. You know, poor thing. She didn't do very well, did she? <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I like to take full responsibility for her career. I think it's because of me. Absolutely. There you go. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, um, now, before we let you go, uh, when you look back on your years you spent in daytime, you know, how would you say working in soaps changed your life? It changed my whole life. Everything about my life. I'm married because of daytime. I have the life I have because of daytime. Um, I, yeah, I don't have to work right now because of daytime. Uh, I made a lot of great friends, uh, in daytime, even though I only talked to two of them. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> But I made some really great friends. And, you know, I'm telling you, like I said before in this podcast, daytime people are the best people that you'll ever meet. They know what hard work is. They know how to get the job done. Uh, you do a whole show in one day. You know, have a movie star try and do that. Have a television star try and do that. It, it's not possible. They can't. They come on a soap and they're like, get me off of this thing. You know, no way. So... Daytime is the best job I've ever had, bar none. Well, we hope to see you back there. So hopefully someone's listening. She's only in Colorado. Everyone's doing commuting these days. So you never know. Yeah. <laughs> there's always there's always a flight. There's <laughs> always a flight. Well, Julie, yeah. thank you so much for all your time. This was amazing and very much hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, everyone out there listening. I miss you guys. And I appreciate all of your support throughout these years. I'm... I'm so happy that I've had you in my life. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Julie Pinson for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.